in the case. I'm a whore, and I know an awful lot about whorehouses. And I know that if you had a house up here, you'd stand and make yourself a lot of money. Now, this is all you've got to do. Put up the money for the house. I'll do all the rest. I'll look after the girls, the business, the expenses, the, the running, the furnishing, everything. And I'll pay you back any money you put in the house so you won't lose nothing. And we'll make it 50-50. Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only got one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I'm joined by Ansel Hendricks to discuss Julie Christie's Oscar-nominated performance in the 1971 film McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Ansel, good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been, I've been really looking forward to doing this. Yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about why you picked this movie out of all the movies that are... Well, um, Robert Altman is actually my, uh, my favorite filmmaker of all time. And this is, uh, this is my second favorite movie by him. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a really great movie. I think it's surprising, actually, that it only got one acting nomination, which I did not even know. I, I have not paid attention to the Oscars uh, as closely as you have. <laughs> but um, no, I just I, I was uh, reading through the list that you sent me and I, I just got really excited when I saw this one because it is it's one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, this is one of those that when I went through and I did the initial list when I went through year <laughs> by year, this was one of the ones that was like the most surprising to me because I just assumed. Yeah. And we'll get into it at some point. But I, I assumed that like the beautiful craft of this movie all like mm-hmm. that it would have gotten nominated somewhere. Yeah. And yet like Alt- Altman is beloved. By like yeah. every like big director. Like I know Scorsese loves Altman. Like like they all love Altman, but I guess the Academy didn't. Yeah, and like this comes right after MASH. So he had mm-hmm. some like and that got multiple nominations. That's the best picture. Yeah. Director, yeah. Screenplay yeah. winner. Uh and and yet the follow up uh didn't get as much love and we will sad yeah we'll try to figure out why although i mean mostly it's just people didn't really like it in the time and it has grown yeah appreciation that's yeah about all it it narrows down to but so we are talking about mccabe and mrs miller from 1971 Mm -hmm. directed by robert altman written by robert altman and brian mckay from the novel mccabe by edward naughton Starring Warren Beatty, Julie Christie, Renee Aubergenois, William Devane, John Shuck, Corey Fisher, Shelley Duvall, Keith Carradine, Michael Murphy, and Hugh Millay. And it opened June 24th, 1971, uh, in, at least in the United States. And yeah, that is the movie we're talking about. So let's just jump right into Julie Christie's performance here as yeah. Miller, Mrs. Miller, as Constance Miller. So what are your uh, initial thoughts on this performance? What stands out to you first for her? Um. Well, I mean, first off, I think she's really great. I think she definitely deserved that Oscar nomination, um, probably the the win. But uh, it's she didn't, a, it's she, a tough she didn't year. get it, correct? Yeah, she did not. No, this, yeah. this is a, um, a strong year for Best Actress, but it it was just a strong year for movies good. in general. But exactly. Um, I mean, her performance. I mean, she's not she's I she's not the most likable person. Um, she's you know she's a businesswoman which is like in Altman's movies are not particularly like business people are not particularly portrayed as the most likable people. And especially the business that she's in, it's a, uh, it's not the most savory it's business the old, of them the all. Oldest profession. Mm-hmm. As they say. Yeah. But I, I think she does a really good job of portraying that like kind of unsavory kind of character. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, uh, she, um, I don't know. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think, she did. She did something with her voice, correct? Like yeah. it's not. Yeah, yeah like she is some... English, but she doesn't have this mm-hmm. thick of a Cockney accent. Yeah, um, her her voice. I I 
It was, um, I'm going to be honest, the first time I watched it, I don't, I don't want to say it irritated me, but like well, I didn't particularly enjoy listening to her like talk throughout the movie. I like, mean, but, that's probably intentional. Uh, no, totally, yeah. which is why I think it's such a great performance is because like, I, I mean, I, I did not, I don't really like any character in this movie, if I'm oh, being yeah. 100% yeah. honest. Again, probably extremely intentional. But no, I just, I didn't enjoy uh, listening to her talk, but like it's, she does a really good thing with her voice right there. And yeah, yeah I and think, I think that might be my favorite, like probably my favorite or the best part of the performance. I'll say that. Yeah. And yeah. she's not in the movie all that much. Like it is kind she's of, not. And it's kind of borderline. She got a lead. Support. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that surprises me, honestly. I would have thought of her as more of a supporting character, even though the movie is titled after her, but yeah. I think yeah. that's probably a part of it is that she is a co-lead title mm -hmm. character. And yeah. like, if anyone, like, she's also a star at this point. She's won an Oscar mm -hmm. already for leading actress. And she's... What did she win for? Uh, for Darling, which I just watched the other night. Uh, John Slesinger's oh, yeah. Darling. She's very I've not good. seen that one. It's very good. It's worth a watch. I want to add that one to my watch list. It kind of reminded me a little bit of The Worst Person in the World, which I wasn't expecting. Okay. But uh, I, didn't see, I haven't seen that one either. I, oh, that's um, also very good. Um, I, I really want to, but... Yeah. But so, yeah, like, I think you, you're spot on about the voice being like a, a thing that is kind of a, mm -hmm. a grading part of the character, but is intentionally so. And I think mm -hmm. she does that a lot with like a lot of little things in this movie. Like mm -hmm. when she keeps blowing her nose, like to interrupt what um, mm -hmm. is saying, like she mm -hmm. blows her nose and it's loud. And like when they're at dinner and she's like scarfing down those eggs and bread and like, yeah, she, yeah. she doesn't present herself as like, or even as you would expect from a female character yeah. in a Western, like she Speaking is. Speaking of uh, that yeah. dinner scene, I, I love that dinner scene it's when they're so ordering good. and it's it's just really funny the contrast between the amount ordered by the two characters yeah yeah and it it does a good job of setting up their dynamics mm -hmm. that like she is down to business she knows what she wants she knows mm -hmm. exactly how to boss people around and she's able to do it in a way that doesn't come yeah. off as like commanding or like mm -hmm. overbearing but she's just yeah. very steadfast about what she wants whereas mccabe is like showy but ultimately end of the mm -hmm. at the end of the day he has no idea what he's doing and uh, yeah comes yeah. back and bites him in the ass at the end that he is mm -hmm. uh all in all a very poor businessman and yeah i mean she basically she just like she she i mean you're not the start but she's like the reason his business is like successful oh absolutely she is the reason yeah. anything that uh goes down yeah. in the uh, house of fortune yeah. actually works which which doesn't end up being the the best thing for him but yeah. you know maybe not um but yeah uh it, i think you're it is kind of borderline whether she's lead or supporting and mm -hmm. i i i see arguments for both cases mm -hmm. because she isn't in as much of the movie like she doesn't show up for the first almost half hour and then she's yeah. kind of gone for the last half hour too nice. but like whenever she's on screen she's taking control of the scene yeah she is telling mccabe what's what and she's doing she's doing that all without coming across as like mm -hmm. overbearing like i said or as like a, yeah. a threat to him financially or business wise mm -hmm. like she yeah. is cooperatively commanding uh and i think that's that's a really interesting aspect of the character especially because they're kind of supposed to be a romance the two of them yeah I and mean, it's titled mccabe and mrs miller and well, like it, it very much puts the two of them together but there was a review from pauline kale where she talks about how like uh, she loved the movie for a while. like 
Mm. A lot of critics at the time were kind of mixed negative on it, but she was one of the people I think that... uh, e- Ebert really liked it, right? Yeah, uh, Siskel yeah, and I, Ebert he... both gave it four yeah, stars. I just... And I know he loved, like, all of Altman, practically, but... Yeah. Uh, but, like, Pauline Kael said something to the effect of, like, the uh, the fact that this is... that it's uh, such a relatively minor part of the movie kind of speaks mm-hmm. to how, like, these two are just the most interesting people in town, more so than mm-hmm. they are the drivers of this story. Like, it's yeah. about the two of them in as much as they are the two people that drive the plot forward, but it's not about the two of them. Like, it's not a romance story. It is not yeah. their story. It's mm-hmm. just, a like, a snapshot, a glimpse of where they are and what they do together. But, like, along with everyone... Like, it is an ensemble that has two leads and then a bunch it of other, like that is a weird way to put it but yeah something like I, that. I get what you're saying and i think i think ensemble is actually a very a very good way to put it because that's like altman he, he like he star he like uh, shines in ensemble films and stuff like that and like even though this one like you said does it has like i'm doing air quotes but like two leads it's it's still like there there's a lot of very interesting characters that come in and out of this movie you know and yeah yeah exactly and she is one of the most fascinating yeah. like i mean the book yeah. is just called mccabe the book is not mccabe and Mrs. oh really Miller. yeah and the fact that like they like they kind of beefed up the character in the script mm-hmm. anyway and but the the original title that they were going to go for wasn't even mccabe and mrs miller that was a compromise because it was originally going to be um uh, the presbyterian church wager because the the town that they're in is presbyterian church mm. and it's a, like a wager about whether or not mccabe is going to survive uh mm. but then the actual presbyterian church was like hey we don't want our name uh <laughs> being in a movie about uh gambling and prostitution so the the <laughs> name they ended up compromising with was mccabe and mrs miller but like that speaks to how much this character is uh, added to in the script but also added to because of what Julie Christie's bringing like she has mm-hmm. just a natural charisma that puts her on the same level as uh, Warren Beatty like she this character could have easily been just another sort of uh, like a, like more window dressing in the same way that like Rene Auberjonois yeah. is a supporting character that shows up and you mm-hmm. recognize him but like he's not a big like it's not yeah. called McCabe and Mrs. Miller and Rene Auberjonois or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember his character's name. But like, it's, it's McCabe and Mrs. Miller because she she shines. Like, it, I, mm-hmm. I don't know at what point in the process that name change was made, but like, I would not be surprised if it was like, oh, oh, Julie Christie is like really bringing something here. She is maybe more of a lead than even we intended. Uh, we should, we maybe should add her to the title of the movie. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I have no problem with her like being nominated for oh, lead absolutely. actress like, yeah. at all. Like it's no, the kind it's, of thing that like makes complete sense based on the like, performance. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but no, it's like it's like amazing performance. And she does take over every scene that she's in, like you say. And I it's just it's yeah, no, there's yeah. no problem at all with it. like even though like it is borderline, like it could like you said, it could probably go either way if it's a supporting performance or elite performance, I don't think there's any need to like complain or get angry about her being in either one of those categories. So, Yeah. And I, I it's kind of a similar thing to when I covered a casino and how Sharon Stone mm-hmm. got a nomination and lead for that. Yeah. And she's kind did of, she? she did. Yeah. And uh, okay, that's that... another, that was oh. another one that was weird that I got to talk about that movie even mm-hmm. to begin with. But then 
uh, yeah, that's another one where she got a lead nomination. And even though it is kind of a supporting performance, it is yeah. strong enough and enough of like a movie star role. Mm-hmm. Like Sharon Stone and Julie Christie have not mm-hmm. completely like parallel careers, but very similar careers as in terms of like great actress and also great sex symbol and also like mm-hmm. being able to merge those both into a successful mm-hmm. career doing a lot of really interesting things with a lot and of really interesting roles both of those characters very much spiral the events of the film exactly so yeah, yeah it's the kind of yeah. thing where like borderline supporting but they have enough mm-hmm. like they have so much to do with pushing the plot forward and like developing mm-hmm. the main male character that like they yeah they successfully got away with a lead performance nomination mm-hmm. and it it isn't too uh too uh blatantly uh fraudulent i guess no that that, that sharon someone does surprise me more than julie christie though because yeah a little bit but, but like i i can still i i can see it i can see it not as much as this one but i, I can still see it yeah for sure um what do you think of the romance aspect between the two of them? It's kind of, it's very subtle. Um, and it, it, at I, some I points, it doesn't even feel like that's what they're going for. And then all of a sudden, it is. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I view it particularly like a romance movie. I, I don't think it's a romance movie whatsoever. Yeah. And oh, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, like I said, I don't particularly love any of the characters. So it's not like, like I'm rooting for this, like, you know, this star-crossed lovers, undying love romance, which it's, I, again, I, it's not trying to be that at all, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about uh, a romance aspect between the two. Yeah. Um, it's, I, it shows up just enough that like, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like the movie is trying to, force mm-hmm. a romance subplot but it also you know these are two very attractive people in this town mm-hmm. like, it makes yes. sense. and they're working together so often and even though mm-hmm. they kind of can't stand each other like mm-hmm. she's always pushing him about like oh you don't know how to run this business you don't understand mm-hmm. the money aspect of things leave that all to me and i'll let you like mm-hmm. we will split the profits and we can leave it at that and like they do kind of well, like the- irk each other but they still you know have that mutual respect and mm-hmm. ends with uh the two of them in, in bed together and then she runs off in the night uh but well, it, like the- that's kind of the perfect ending to their relationship is that yeah she's, yeah she's the one that leaves and then that's that I I don't think I don't think that uh, the, the film would be the same at all if it would have had like a happier ending with exactly. like her coming back and a romance kindling between the two. You know, the film very much I think I, with a lot of Altman's actually like the ending very much makes the movie. I feel like in I mean I guess that's just movies in general, but I feel like without the endings in a lot of Altman films, they would be very 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 different films yeah and Altman's good at sticking the landing on a on an off note I guess yeah the I don't know the 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 ending of this one is just very 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 striking ending that I I just I remember the first time I watched it I mean like I know people say like I didn't breathe for 20 minutes in that scene in Jaws or whatever you know but like this one like I truly felt like I did not breathe during that whole scene in the snow of just like them just like inching around the town looking for one and like it was just it's it's such a good ending so i I, I am happy that they didn't like reapproach the whole that they're going to be stark lovers soulmates yeah and then 
Well, so it is all those 20 minutes and she is not in that obviously because she's left mm-hmm. the night before but then after that as spoiler alert mccabe is dying in the snow it cuts back to uh, uh miller like lying down in an opium den just like half conscious mm-hmm. and then it's like a slow zoom in on her and then it cuts back to mccabe's dying body in the snow mm-hmm. and it cuts back to her and then it it ends on her looking at uh what is that that she's that she's looking at it's a um is it like a top? I, I couldn't figure out what it's supposed to be. But it's like not... a thing. It's like a trinket that she has that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not exactly I don't I'm not exactly sure what it is. Um either way, either way, that like yeah. that it still finds the time mm-hmm. to be like, as this man is dying, this mm-hmm. woman that like was the one person he had a positive relationship with mm-hmm. is off doing her own thing, not even thinking about him. Like that is yeah. That is the way this romance ends. He's dying and she is too stoned out of her mind to even be considering what's going on with him. And it's, it is the perfect ending of the story. It it is, it is. I think also the perfect ending for that relationship between the two. Like um, I said, Altman, uh, he never really puts a positive spin on things like business or industry in his, in his films and you know they very much while they do have that romantic relationship it is primarily a business relationship and i think the contrast actually between romantic and business relationship is something really really interesting done in film like you know like the one in licorice pizza or whatever like i and i feel like like they they do they cross over a lot but um a lot of i feel like a lot of romantic relationships that are also business relationships in films the romantic relationship still functions the same as the business relationship does. And I think, I mean, I think that's usually to make a point about, uh, you know, business or whatever, but yeah. um, I don't know, just, just to think about Altman's stance on like a lot of economic and political things about how that business slash romantic relationship ends in this movie. I don't know. I feel like that's striking and very telling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I couldn't Sorry if I just it. rambled oh, there a little oh, bit. No, but... not at all. You're totally fine. I, I couldn't have put it better than uh, than that. And just in those final shots, just the look mm. on her face, just that it's, I mean, it, she doesn't like move or anything in these shots mm. other than very, very subtly. But like mm. that look that she has is just like, it's, mm. you can't, you can't replicate that. That is just to be able to sell everything that you can see is going through her mind Mm -hmm. in that moment with just a look that is there's no way to describe it it's just star power i mean those two are two of the best to ever do it probably exactly yeah Yeah. especially in this time and like the yeah late 60s early 70s Beatty and christie are uh, it's hard to beat it's hard to beat to have and they work together multiple times like they're both in shampoo they're both in heaven can wait they did I, some I other really stuff will. together after this. I've, uh, I've not, I've not, I've not seen those, but I've heard I very good things either, about them too. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, like the, they're both uh, uh, praised for those movies. Uh, yeah. He got nominated at least for Heaven Can Wait. I don't know if, well, because she only has the four nominations, right? It's Darling and then this and Afterglow, which I will be doing on this show and away from her. Uh, so I'll be going back and Julie Christie well at some point. You're much more uh, well versed on the Oscars and nominations than I am. I um, oh, that's, that's totally. I've fun. not. I've not particularly paid the utmost attention to uh, them. But oh no, you're totally fine in that. Uh, anything else about her performance here, or do we want to move on and talk about sort of the rest of the movie? I mean, 
we can go talk about the rest of the movie. I think, like, I, I think the, the the voice is probably, in my opinion, the, like I said, the most striking and my and my favorite part of yeah. the whole performance. And, yeah, it really yeah. sells the the character that she's doing yes, above all else. 100%. Like she she totally fits into this era, into this mm-hmm. role, into yeah. the sort of persona that she's giving as this you know as this matron of uh, of this uh, brothel that they get set up mm-hmm. in. It totally works for her. Uh, yeah, we can we can move on and talk about the rest of the movie at large. Yeah. How much did you ask them? Uh, well, we never got around to that because, uh, I, oh, uh, well, I, I might have mentioned something like twelve, ten thousand dollars, something like that, but it's just to get them bargaining, you know, and uh, and to, uh, well, just so they talk sense. Yeah, but how much did you really want? Uh, well, uh, that depends. I mean, they're talking about all my holdings. Um, Eight thousand? Eight thousand dollars. Oh, seventy five hundred. Probably more like uh, more right. You went very far apart, were you? Oh, hell no, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You see, uh, and I don't know what to mean by all my holdings. I mean, uh, all my holdings. Does that mean uh, my horses, my clothes, my underwear? I don't know what to mean. Where do you want to start with? There's a lot, uh, a lot to talk about. Where do we want so, to uh, Let's, let's start at the beginning because the beginning has uh, one of also another one of my favorite parts of the film. First off, with uh, the Leonard Cohen song, I like. Oh, yeah. uh, I think I actually I was I was listening to that song on uh, my way home from work today in preparation for you know uh, the podcast and stuff like that. And just I think I think Leonard Cohen is is the perfect voice for uh, for this movie. Exactly. He's like his his songs they just make you feel so lonesome and desolate and like so opposite of the typical western you know like a uh, soundtrack background that's very much like a hero a, a, a lonesome hero in the distance you know coming to have a duel but this one just it's like it's so depressing yeah to, like watch him just like ride through like the mountains his big fur coat listening to leonard cohen's like yeah. haunting voice like and I, I like you know it's it's like it's it very much sets the the tone for the for like an anti western which is like what it is yeah yeah putting Leonard Cohen uh, in your movie is like the perfect shorthand for saying this main character fucking sucks yeah 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 <laughs> and it just has yeah. the worst the worst life going on for him uh, yes it's not going to be a movie with a happy ending uh, it's kind of interesting I was reading apparently that wasn't uh, like planned from the get go like they he, uh, they knew that they needed a different soundtrack than what they had. Mm-hmm. And Altman was trying to find something, trying to find the right yeah. sound. And then he was at a party and this album that all these uh, Leonard Cohen songs are on was playing. Mm-hmm. And as he was listening to, to them, he was like, oh, a lot of these songs kind of exactly mm-hmm. represent what I'm trying to get at with McCabe mm-hmm. and Mrs. Miller. And so he ended up seeking out the rights and was thankfully able to get them. And yeah, puts no, just I... those three songs in. Uh, I think he does Stranger's song a couple times, uh, but yeah. it's just a few of those songs, and then whatever ambient music is being played in the town, like the guy with the violin or whatever. But there's no score yeah. to this movie beyond those songs, which is which I I think I I think it's I I think the lack of score and the lack of like I don't know like that whole like spaghetti western type like Ennio Morricone type thing. I think it definitely is a big way of separating this from like the classic spaghetti western yeah or and, even just the classic american western too like yeah yeah those, like, yeah sweeping string orchestral score whereas mm-hmm. 
like we mentioned, the whole, almost the entire last 20 minutes of this movie is a cat and mouse chase through the snow mm-hmm. and there's no music. It's just, yeah. there's like some, there's like a 10 minute stretch where there's no sound other than footsteps. And I mean, it, 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 may, it, it makes that scene like- It does, it, it, that it scene would, is one of the best ever. It would not have the same effect at all if there was like, I don't know, like if he was like shouting at him, like they do, like like you, like you know how in a lot of cat and mouse scenes, like they have like the whole like person like running from them, like baiting them and stuff like yeah. that. I don't think that would have. I don't think that. I I I I really like that it's it's silent and that it's no music and I yeah. just I don't know. They it do a, it, it very much keeps you on the edge of your seat. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they're doing, like film wise, to make that mm-hmm. scene feel so real. Like apparently. Uh, and we'll talk about the cinematography because my God, this movie. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, yeah. So for most of the movie, uh, what Altman and uh, Vilma Sigmund did to sort of achieve this look is they pre-fogged all of the uh, negatives so that it would get okay. sort of like, like hazy sort mm-hmm. of look that you get. And they added yeah. a bunch of filters like to the camera while they were filming, mm-hmm. mainly so that uh, the studio couldn't change all that after the fact and make it just look like a regular western like they wanted to <laughs> this look and they wanted to have that baked into the actual film mm-hmm. um but they didn't do any of that pre-fogging or filtering for these last 20 minutes because they wanted mm-hmm. that to look as realistic as possible like yeah. they wanted the tension and the the danger that mccabe is mm-hmm. in to feel genuine and like different from everything else that he's experienced up until this point and well and um, that's not anything i had noticed while i was watching but like mm-hmm. reading it after the fact i was like oh yeah all of those sequences are way more clear that w- makes a and whole like, lot of sense it's it's the, a great choice the, the the snow in that scene like actually like 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 i didn't know that actually but like now thinking back on it and like the snow and then his body in the snow and the blood in the snow and all that stuff like it's striking and it's not hazy like the rest of the film is like the rest of the film is it's very much crisp. like it's wandering like... in the days but this scene is just like yeah like it's like printer paper white yeah do you know the other thing about the snow in this that what? whole sequence what? that what? wasn't planned that's not scripted they were they shot most of the movie chronologically and uh-huh. when they only had the last 20 minutes to film it started snowing in vancouver and they were like well what the hell are we supposed to do? Are we going to film this in the snow and then reshoot the entire rest of the movie and have the whole thing set in winter? But then Altman was like, well, all we have left to shoot are these last few scenes and they just take place over the course of like an hour. We can just have it start snowing and then just make the rest of the movie be set during the snowstorm. And they did that. And like, it was not a planned thing. It just happened to be snowing on these last nine days of their shoot. Uh, and Oh my God. It has, like, that is an iconic part of that, like, that sequence yeah. nearly as well if you don't have the, like, frozen river and the, uh-huh. like, the slowly piling snow on top of everything. Like, it's getting deeper yeah. and deeper as the scene goes on. Like, at first it's just a dusting and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. he can, you know, like, his entire body goes under the snow when he falls. Yeah, and he's, like, he's, like, struggling to walk through it and just, oh, oh I did not... Isn't that crazy? That, that is crazy. Not intentional. That's all real snow that was actually just happen. It happened to start snowing right before they shot those sequences. I and it makes the whole it makes the whole movie what it is. Like you don't I, see like it's the perfect because the whole thing is Altman is making this mm-hmm. as an anti-western. He's subverting a lot of the tropes mm-hmm. of the western. He doesn't have the yeah. the score. He doesn't have 
the like there's no sheriffs there's one cowboy and it's keith carradine that like the goofy guy who can't even shoot his own gun <laughs> that scene is so funny that it's great it's fucking great like he's the he's credited as cowboy everyone else is like businessmen and mm-hmm. there's a few yeah. bounty hunters but like that's the extent of the classical western tropes that you get yeah and it's the perfect subversion coming in at the end because you never see it snowing in westerns like they're all american in the south. they're all in the desert it's always hot everyone looks like they're sweating up a storm mm-hmm. and this movie's set in like fucking washington and it's 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 snowing you don't see snow in any other classic classic western it is the accidental perfect encapsulation of what this movie is relative mm-hmm. to the western as a genre and i, I just think i think that's amazing i would just like to say i i'm i'm very happy that you did like extensive research because now i'm figuring out all these things about this movie that i didn't know that's just making it like an gonna be an even better next viewing knowing all these things yeah yeah it's fantastic to to like that's what's fun about doing the research for this because i wouldn't have known that if i had just watched yeah. the movie and now i'm because i'm talking about it i'm looking it up and i'm finding out yeah, all, this, totally. all this stuff it's great it's a it's very interesting um yeah let's talk about i mean we did kind of mention the cinematography and the technical parts of it but like mm-hmm. this movie's fucking gorgeous it is maybe it's it's definitely one of the most like gorgeous looking films ever again especially that yeah. first scene when exactly. he's riding on his horse through the mountains like i i feel like i'm gonna mention that scene so many times but i mean for good I, reason. I have watched that scene probably more times than i've seen the movie itself just yeah. it is such a good scene and it just it looks so so pretty and like just like um i don't know uh like like you said he's it's subverting western tropes and you know, Westerns, they have very good cinematography, but they're, you know, they're, and they're usually in the American West, you know, it's a lot of deserts, a lot of oranges, a lot of, you know, a lot of oranges and yellows and brown browns, colors. Yeah. But this one is just like, it's, 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 what's it, it's a lot of like, like forest colors and it's yeah, a lot of um, black mountain and white and dark colors green and, and, and gray, it's a like, lot of it's, gray. A total, it's a total different aesthetic, but it, it works so well because I don't know, I feel like the American Western, the Spaghetti Western, have, like, created the, like, mindset that, um, like, people in America only existed in, in like, the 1860s, 70s in, like, you know, uh, the Southwest. Yeah. So, but, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's, whenever there's a Western that's not set in that very specific, like, mm-hmm. California to Oklahoma type, yeah, in that Southwestern region, Anytime there's a Western set anywhere else, that's automatically like, okay, you're doing something interesting with it. You have yeah, my attention. Yeah. You have, there's something else going on here. And I, mm-hmm. I always appreciate that in a Western. Yeah. The, the best Westerns are the Westerns that subvert the tropes of the mm-hmm. Western. I wholeheartedly agree. Like a Dead Man, that's another one. Dead Man's my yeah. favorite Western. Dead Man is the best yeah? Western. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's my second I, one. This, this is my favorite one. I mean, understandably so. This one is yeah. also very good. And I kept uh, making a lot of connections between the two of them for some reason. Yes. Yeah, There's, absolutely. I, you can tell that Jarmusch watched this movie a lot as yeah. inspiration. Um, well, and uh, both as filmmakers, they very much, uh, I don't know, critique and subvert aspects of American culture. Oh, definitely. Like insane, like huge aspects of American culture, whether it's country music or the Western or... 
I don't know, the military, you know? Hollywood, uh, just Americana. Yeah, Hollywood. In, yeah. Yeah. Americana in general, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do just want to give a, a, a bit more of a brief shout out though to Vilmo Zygmunt, the cinematographer, who yeah. did a lot of great, like he did, this is his second movie, it looks like, that can't be right. No, okay. No, he did a bunch of other movies, but the Wikipedia film filmography is a selected filmography. Uh, but okay. like, he did this. He did Deliverance and Images and The Long Goodbye. And the Close Long and- Goodbye, that is... Yeah. That's got some really great cinematography. And well. he did Close Encounters and The Deer Hunter and Heaven's what? Gate and Blowout and The River and Blowout. The Witch of Beastwick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy. Yeah, he's got he's quite a- the catalog. Oh, definitely. He's like one of the most influential cinematographers that has ever you know shot a film like he is ever cinematographer he's like your favorite cinematographer's favorite cinematographer he yeah. is up there with like gordon willis as like just like altman is your favorite filmmaker's favorite filmmaker exactly exactly i've, I've heard that uh i i think I've, I've heard people say that so many times that altman is your favorite filmmaker's favorite filmmaker so oh yeah everyone just, everyone uh uh, wanted to work with that man and drew a lot of influence from him. Almost everyone did uh, yeah. in that era. That's a good point. Yeah, we. I mean, the Altman sort of Oscar adjacency is always interesting because it's like MASH, which, which gets multiple nominations, wins for screenplay. He gets a director nomination. The next year after that is this movie. Obviously, it just gets the one nomination. Yeah. Nashville is a couple years later and that, again, picture, director, multiple nominations all throughout. And then it, he, none of his movies that I can think of get a nomination again until The Player. So it's like another um, like 25, no, so almost 20 uh, years. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's seven, yeah, 17, it's, right? 17 years? Yeah, it's like 17 years until another movie of his gets a nomination. The year after well, that is Shortcuts, which if I ever do the miniseries on lone director nominations, hmm. that would be there. And then Gosford Park. And I think yeah, he does other movies in between then. But like... His movies aren't nearly as... I mean, he, he did so many movies already, so, like, you're always... Going I was to... actually just about to mention the amount of movies in the... He, he released two movies in 1970 alone. Yeah. And they're, both, they're both amazing, by the way, if you've not seen Brewster McCloud. Definitely I know I need to, because I love Bud yeah. Court, but yeah, 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 I know you're a big Harold and Maude fan. And oh, it's, definitely. Uh, it's, but, yeah, no, it's just, like, he's, he really... It's such a huge career... And it, it just, it's crazy to think that he doesn't have as many Oscar nominations for his movies. Like, yeah. Just someone that important and that, who spent that long in Hollywood. Like, what? Like, I'm trying to think. His first movie, it was that, uh, I've it seen would, it. It would uh, be uh, The Delinquents, apparently. Never mind, I've not seen that one. I, well, I've seen that, that like, Chicago countdown. murder mystery that one that he did. Is that Countdown? But, like, um, but just, like, it spans, like, what, like, five, five decades? Yeah, six career? Like, yeah, I mean, if you go back, The Delinquents is first credited on Wikipedia, at least. That's 1957 to uh, 2006 was his last movie. Worked up right until he died. But yeah, that's like almost 50 years of filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, one of the best. One of the best to ever do it. Yeah, and just the, said, like, it's just, it's crazy that this is like, I mean, like, I'm happy this is an episode because I know I get, I get a chance, we get a chance to talk about it and stuff like that. But, like, it's crazy that this is an episode, you know? It is. It like, really is. Like, everything else that it could have gotten, uh, like like we mentioned, the cinematography is mm-hmm. 
revolutionary. This it uh, it got the uh, it, I know it. I was yeah. I was looking. I was just looking. It got the it was it the BAFTA for cinematography. Yeah, it got nominated for that, and we'll get into yeah. other awards in just. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm, oh I'm no, you're fine. You're fine. Ruin the um, flow, but you're totally fine. Um, but just like other aspects of this movie, the production design is gorgeous. The, yeah. they built that entire town. They built that for mm-hmm. the movie. Like that is. That was not a town that existed. That was a that was a set. An entire town was their set. And the I cost like it's actually it's I'm I'm sorry. Uh oh it just, it's, 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 it's kinda uh funny to hear that because like you actually see them like the characters building the town. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And a lot of those were just extras that were actually building the set for the movie. And like the cost, like this movie would have been a worthy costume design nomination mm-hmm. entirely on the back of that giant fur coat that they have worn. Yeah. Like if that I, was the only costume in the movie, it would have it would be worthy of a nomination. Amazing. I I want that fur coat. Honestly, I, w- I want I, that fur coat. That fur coat is gorgeous and it yeah. looks so warm. It looks so comfortable, but also it is like. And it like oh, go ahead. It's, it's it's like an extension of his beard, almost like. Yeah. It's also like an extension of his character is that he is yeah, this larger yeah. than life, just like buffoon that thinks mm-hmm. this is stylish, thinks this is like, it makes him look like a big man. And then yeah. like it, it comes back to bite him later when he goes into the, uh, the tavern where the one bounty hunter is that was sent there to kill him basically. And we see that guy with like a cooler hat and a cooler coat mm-hmm. and cooler facial hair. And that's the scene where we see like for the first time that, oh man, John McCabe is a, atrocious businessman that has no yeah. idea how to negotiate no idea how to save his ass in this moment is like digging a deeper hole for himself and we see this guy that's sent there to kill him sent there not mm. to negotiate but to murder this man just like listening to it all and just smirking about like oh you mm. fucking idiot you fucking idiot and and it's great and that Sorry, like yeah. just the costumes the way that those two characters are dressed <laughs> similarly but like to very different effect yeah it's great costume design also also to go with like the whole like how he's he's a larger than life character but then like like you know like sorry that was not the right phrasing but but then you see the contrast of like him he's like like you said similar but like slightly cooler i remember they also like they they talk about his size right they're like he must be like seven foot tall or something like that yeah like 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 that thing and like i I don't know but like it it definitely like um you know warren Beatty. he's not he's not a small guy like at all oh yeah but like it's like you said, that's just, it's just another aspect of how this, this guy is just like, I don't know, the better version of him in every way. And it very much deflates his character and deflates his um, swagger. Yeah, like Warren Beatty has that kind of swagger. He has that, like, mm-hmm. importance about him. But he's a pretty boy at the end of the, at the, end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not this, he's not like a big hulking Western brute in that way. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he gets by on his on his charm more so than on his yeah. physical presence. Yeah. And then we see in this, mo- in this moment, he doesn't even have the charm advantage over this guy either. The, like, he's like, Oh yeah, no, well, well, they, they asked for 5,500 and then 62.50, And I mm-hmm. said, Whoa, 10 or 12,000, but I didn't really mean that. I, I could go with eight or I mean, seven, mm-hmm. 7,500 or like, I guess technically I only need like 6550, all this stuff. <laughs> and, like he's talking himself down and the guy's yeah. not saying anything. The guy's just staring at him and he talks himself down from like $12,000 mm-hmm. to 6550, which is only $300 more than what they had originally yeah. offered. Yeah. And then he cuts him down with like, I'm not here to make a deal. 
I'm here to hunt bears. And, you know, the, just the look on McCabe's face of like, oh, I fucked myself. I fucked myself so hard. And uh, Miller told me that I shouldn't. She told me that I should accept the fucking second offer. And I didn't because I was too full of myself. I thought I would be able to make this deal. And, I, and he doesn't. And just... It's, he's such a he's such a fucking moron. He's such an he, idiot. He is. It's so stupid, and I love it. You know, you you were talking about uh, the the guy. Uh, I don't what's I don't remember the actor's name, but you know he's labeled as cowboy. You know he got the big tone guy yeah, uh, and everything. Uh, Keith when he you know when, when he goes up there, like you know he he thinks he's the hitman, correct? Like he thinks I think that he's so, there yeah. to kill him, and um, he comes up there and like you know he's he's trying to present himself as as you know all tough and all that but like but then when you see like the comparison between them he is he's the tough one but then like you said he's just this buffoon compared to this other guy yeah and, exactly and he's, like i don't know he doesn't know how to do any of this stuff mm-hmm. and it's kind of a wonder that he was even able to build the building in the first place mm-hmm. and you know for a fact that if mrs miller hadn't shown up and taken control of the yeah. finances and of the actual like running of the whorehouse actually like because he it was just uh it was just intense right when it was him yeah it was intense and, and like yeah. girls that he bought for like, like what eighty dollars a piece and then she comes in and like knows and how she to like flies her. all these like, they're like like girls overseas and stuff like not flies but you know yeah she yeah, she, she imports yeah. them she brings them in on the yeah. train yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i mean that's that's presented yeah it's, I know, you're just thinking about that, just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's a, it's how they're presented. But, like, yeah, I do appreciate at least that the movie isn't villainizing of these uh, sex worker characters. Yeah, least. yeah. Like, they are, at the end of the day, just as much respected members of this community as anyone else mm-hmm. is, which is yeah. uh, unexpected for a movie of this time and also set in the time that it is. But, like, yeah. It's not like I don't think I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's a whole other conversation to be having. But like it is uh not a uh a too terrible representation of of things going down like they are, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh uh do you have anything else? I mean, there's so much to talk about with this yeah, movie. Yeah. But, which I, is kind uh, of interesting cuz there's very little plot that actually happens. Like you could that's, probably that's, boil. You could boil down the entire plot of the movie in about four statements. Yeah, McCabe comes into town. Like, he sets up business, or I guess maybe five. He comes into town, sets up business. Miller shows up and sets up business. Some people want to buy it from him, and he says no. They send people to kill him. That's the whole movie. Yeah. That's two hours of the movie yeah. in five sentences. Well, that's that's. I think that that's Altman in a nutshell is a lack of plot. It's oh, yeah. just a lot of like, re- like just like little sequences happening within the same space. Like no plot, just vibes. Know. Yeah. I... And this I, movie I, is I kind guess, of no I plot, know. just vibes. A so, little. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I think uh, I think uh, uh what's it called? Uh, Nashville is a very good example of oh, that. Yeah. You know, it just just like little happenings within a larger happening, but um. That 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 wasn't a great sentence, but um, I am totally fine. I am, but no, I agree. But there there was one more thing I I did want to talk about that that's like at the beginning and stuff. And I think we we've kind of touched upon this like in a conversation outside of this. But um, the way he had characters 
like talking over each other in that first scene, which is not something really anyone ever does. Oh yeah, and the whole I just the Altman all this Altman cross talk like that that was his uh, his whole thing. Yeah, he does it really well here. And uh, mm-hmm. I saw someone so, uh, some other review describing that concept as like it takes away the meaning of the speech, like the of the the content of the words that are being said mm-hmm. so that you are focusing on the fact that this character is talking like it, it shifts the focus from the context to yeah. the, the delivery and the, the person so like what's important mm-hmm. isn't what they're saying what's important is who is saying it. yeah i just i yeah no i really uh i really i was watching uh it's, it was an, an interview, you know, uh, you know, the record store Amoeba in like Hollywood and stuff yeah. like that. So uh, a band, uh, Surf Curse, did like one of those "What's in My Bags" thing, and one of the things they picked was McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Uh, but um, and and they were talking about that scene, and they were talking about like how much people hated that, like hated the fact, because like I mean, people like I don't know, it was disorienting or annoying, but like I really liked it. I really um, I don't know, e- even the first time I watched it. I really, really liked it because, like you said, it def- it takes away the focus on the words being said between the characters and more so just the characters and who's saying the thing. And it also totally adds to the vibe of what, like, the movie mm-hmm. is, at the end of the day, more about the town of Presbyterian Church mm-hmm. than it is about either McCabe or Mrs. Miller yeah. or any one of the inhabitants. It's about mm-hmm. the entire community as a group of individuals, but like as a group of individuals that we don't really investigate all that much. Mm-hmm. We don't really know much yeah. about their interior lives, but we know they're all there. Like the movie needs to have this deeply, like this deep set of extras and supporting characters mm-hmm. that aren't anything beyond yeah. existing in the space. And what Absolutely. better way to deliver that than to show that like, they're not just faces in the background, they're faces in the background that are people that talk but it doesn't matter what they're saying because that's not mm-hmm. that's not what's important here. What's important is that we know that all these characters have their rich internal lives. Yeah. Off screen. You just you 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 stated that perfectly and then better than in, in any way that I could state that. Yeah. Which is uh, kind of funny because I was kind of just rambling, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad my. Uh, well, no, I, 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 I'm I'm glad I. Oh, uh, ramblings can become quite well spoken. Exactly. Uh, anything else about the movie, or do we want to move on and talk about uh, some of the Oscar stuff? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot we could talk about about yeah. the movie. You could probably fill a whole, I don't know, three hours just talking about the movie. Oh, but absolutely, um, there's so much. We, there's, we can move on to the Oscar stuff. Yeah. yeah, and like I'm sure other stuff will come up as we go through. Oh, actually, I did have some other things written down on the other page that I forgot. Okay. So. Uh, okay. All right. Apparently, do you know who uh, he originally offered the lead role to before? Uh, but he turned it down, and then they ended up going with Warren Beatty. Apparently, mm-hmm. Elliot Gould was would have been a very different huh. take on the role. But it def it definitely would have been. I um I don't know. Elliot Gould has. I feel like both of them have very distinct voices, like yeah. Elliot Gould and Warren Beatty, especially. Um, you know, I'm I'm actually I, I don't know if I'd ever say this about any other movie. I'm happy Elliot Gold turned that role down because Yeah, I think Baby this Warren Baby performance. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, and we didn't really talk that. about that part of it. Like we talked about him, but like it's a great performance from him. Yeah. He's really it's he's some, doing a lot of really good stuff here. It's like I I don't know. I, I don't wanna say like 
it feels like purposely wooden in some ways. If yeah. that makes sense. Oh no, totally. Because, like, it, like you said, he is like he's a fucking idiot. Like he's like okay, that that, that might have been a little harsh. But oh no, that's absolutely what the character is. He he gets by on the charm that he thinks he has. Idiot. He's not. He's not smart, but he thinks he's very, very smart, and he thinks he's insanely charming. But like a lot of the delivery feels like like wooden. Like I'm trying to remember what that line was. It was like a, it was like I think a turd in your pocket or something like that. Yeah. Do you know yeah. What yeah. yeah. And then like, he brings I, I that back know. later because he thinks he thinks he's so smart for saying it that he throws it back at someone else later on in the yeah. movie. I don't know. It's just like it's um it's just just the way he delivers some things. Like it's like it's 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 I, I don't know if wooden's the right word. I'm trying to think of the word, but like it's kind of flat. Kind of, yeah, it is kind of fl- it's like flat because it's a flat character. Like Yeah, he's playing a character that never learns from his mistakes, never learns yeah. from his situations. So like there's not going to be any character growth because he never learns. Yeah. He always yeah. thinks that he's one step ahead of everyone mm-hmm. and everyone else is like five steps ahead of him. Yeah. And exactly. it, it, that's what comes back and gets him in the end. Uh, that final sequence is just it really is great we can't sing its praises enough it is and like yeah. so there's the part where uh, he's like in the top of the church tower and I was just about to mention the bell tower actually yeah. like, and he comes that... back down and the priest is there with his gun and it's like just leave uh, don't, yeah. you don't bring this gun into a, a, a house of worship and then like the head bounty hunter shows up and shoots the priest right in the uh, uh-huh. gas lamp that he's holding, or the uh-huh. oil lamp. And, like, that's already a kind of gnarly shot, because you see his arm just get, like, yeah. blown off. But mm-hmm. then from there, the church catches on fire, and throughout the yeah. rest of the cat and mouse sequence, mm-hmm. it cuts back and forth between McCabe, like, hiding from his assailants, and he shoots the mm-hmm. kid uh, into the bathhouse bath, which is kind of a great shot. Uh mm-hmm. But then it cuts back and forth between that and then the entire rest of the town, like forming a line to pour yeah. buckets of water onto this burning church. And it's kind of like, again, the anti-Western, it's like the anti-High Noon in that like mm-hmm. High Noon is about how everyone else in this town is too scared to uh, help the man who is who helped mm-hmm. them all for all these years when his assailants come. Whereas in this, the assailants come to get McCabe and like nobody cares about him because they're all caring about something that is actually worthful, like worthwhile in this uh, in this town, like something that's worth saving. Whereas McCain like, left to fend for himself because it serves him right because he's you know fucked everyone over. Yeah, it's also it's it's also like how you said, um, like the whole thing. Like it's I mean it's named after the two characters, but like the importance is on the town and the people in the town and the two characters like they matter but they don't really matter you know yeah like like the action of the last sequence other than the cat and mouse has nothing to do with the two of them and it's arguably even more interesting to watch once that becomes a thing it it very much doesn't put the importance on him like it's very it's very like obviously it's it's an insanely well-directed scene the cat and mouse but like it i feel like it definitely takes not only importance of like the 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 viewer but also just the importance of the people in the town they don't like they don't care about him 
Yeah, like they don't said, even know what's going on. It's more interesting to watch. And I, I wonder if that was purposeful to like show like... Oh, it absolutely would They don't yeah. give a shit about him, and neither should you give a shit about people stopping this church from burning. Yeah, because at the end of the day, even though McCabe is dead, even though Miller has left to go do her own thing, it's not like the town is going to be mourning either of them. For yeah. Like the town... They probably won't even care that these, these two people are gone. They will carry on uh, just as, mm-hmm. as usual... It's uh, yeah, like it, it. They don't matter to the town, mm-hmm. and it's 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 perfect. It is a Which perfect, is very much opposite of the western. And yeah, you know, it's all like, about the hero. He he yeah, is it's all the about town. the Clint Eastwood or the Gary Cooper or the John Wayne. You know, yeah, he yeah. is the embodiment of the town, and everyone relies on him. And McCabe, like everyone, kind of hates him already anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else did I write down here? Um, oh, I made the uh, the AFI when they did their 10 top 10s mm-hmm. in 2008 and they voted like 10 top 10 mm-hmm. movies yeah. and genres. It made the top 10 best westerns of all time. Which, where, uh, where, 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 where did it rank? Uh, it was number eight. Uh, do That's you wanna... depressingly low, but well, I mean, you look at some of the others yeah. that made the list, it makes sense. They're are some more classic, but also like I mean, it's an anti-Western. It is going to rub some people the yeah. wrong way when it comes to thinking about the best westerns. But like, I, um, it still makes the top assume, ten of all time. I mean, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very I'm very happy it made the top ten and stuff like that. No, but um, you know, I'm very I'm very like it, it's it's good to hear that it made the top ten. It's good to hear that it is getting an it, appreciation. But like, I don't know. I I think it being an anti-Western is almost more impactful and a more like important piece of, I don't know, American culture than a normal Western, you know? Yeah, that's very true. That's a, that's a good point. It's an, it's an interesting top 10. Uh, you get mm-hmm. searchers at number one makes sense. Not as, yeah, that makes sense. It's not the best movie in terms of like holding up as a, uh, the best of the genre, but like it's, it's a classic for a reason. High Noon, which I actually do really love. Like I have not seen High Noon actually. I've been meaning to watch it. I keep like scrolling through Amazon Prime trying to figure something to, out, something to watch, and I keep scrolling past High Noon. I might just, I might do that one of these days. You should. It's a, it's good. It's short, and it it, it packs a punch. Uh, Shane uh, is on there. Unforgiven, Red River. Unforgiven's good. Unforgiven. Unforgiven's good. Uh, Red River, The Wild Bunch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and then this at number eight, and then Stagecoach and Cat Baloo. No good, the bad, and the ugly. It's the American film and stuff. Oh, I think they. Okay. Yeah, it's probably. I'm sure that would probably be number one though. If uh. Yeah. Yeah, if it was I think. List, which, yeah, AFI probably is, all. It'd yeah. probably just be. I guess it is American Film Institute, but. Yes, I mean it's it's in English, but like they are very weird about what counts for their lists yeah. and what doesn't. Uh, but whatever. Uh, either way, this this makes the top ten yeah. for them. So good on that. I'm cl- I'm glad it, I mean, it it speaks yeah. to how the movie has grown in appreciation since then. Like at the time when it yeah came, yeah most critics did not like this movie. Like uh, pa- really uh, yeah, Pauline Kael and Siskel and Ebert were like on the fringe outsides of people that actually understood mm-hmm. it for what it was in the time and like respected mm-hmm. it on on its uh, merits. But like. A lot of critics. Well, this and this was like this. This was towards the beginning of Ebert's career, correct? Like, yeah, yeah, he was. I think I think like his first like top ten list he made was like 1967. So like this was probably before like he was like established, established in like the 
yeah. light that he is now. Oh yeah, definitely. But like Pauline Kael was a big voice yeah. in in the critical yeah. sphere, and she really championed this movie and really pushed for people yeah. to uh, give it a chance, even though most of her contemporaries were not. And uh, yeah, I yeah. Mean, like, I wonder got... if she was a big reason to why it got an Oscar nomination in the first place. I mean, that'll happen sometimes. You'll get critics like that really gunning for these movies, and I mean, who's to say? Yeah, this yeah. was kind of a, a surprise nomination for Julie Christie because she didn't get nominated anywhere else. And it's kind of, it's one of those cases where like a movie that like some people are liking and some people are not, but it feels like it's mm-hmm. it, like they're, it's at least on people's radar. And so the person in the cast yeah. that is like the most Academy friendly up until that point gets the benefit of that and gets mm-hmm. the votes. Cause like she had won at this point. And Warren Beatty had been nominated, but he yeah yeah he uh, hadn't won for uh, Bonnie and Clyde, right? Yes, and then his win is actually for yeah. directing. He's still uh, he never won for acting, which is kind of uh, I was what, what did he win for directing for um, Reds, the uh, the communism epic. He, that one directing it sure I'm did. Sorry, yeah. I'm just uh, what? yeah, I, that's also kind of on the back of like we love you, Warren Beatty. Here's an Oscar good on you for mm-hmm. yeah. writing, writing yeah. directing acting and producing this movie yeah uh, it's like a it's, it's like a them, them get, uh, never, never mind you're fine Sorry. yeah uh, anything else about this movie that we want to talk about or do we want to move on to the Oscar segment we, we can move on to the Oscar segment okay the best performance by an actress the nominees are Janet Sussman for Nicholas and Alexandra, a Horizon Pictures production, Columbia. Julie Christie for McCabe and Mrs. Miller. A Robert Altman, David Foster production, Warner Brothers. Jane Fonda for Clute. A Gus production, Warner Brothers. Glenda Jackson for Sunday Bloody Sunday. A Joseph Janney production, United Artists. Vanessa Redgrave for Mary, Queen of Scots. Hal Wallace, Universal Pictures Limited Production. So, as far as precursors that this movie got, uh, this one isn't really a quote-unquote precursor because it happened the year after because BAFTA was very weird about years and release dates and Mm -hmm. stuff up until like even the 90s. But it does get a BAFTA nomination for its cinematography, like you mentioned. Uh, And Zygmunt, it's it's like a co-nomination for this and Deliverance and Images all in the same year because he shot all oh. the movies. Uh, okay. Uh, he loses to... Oh, I didn't even write down the guy's first name. Whoops. Unsworth. What is... Well, what, what, oh, I, I, I've heard that name. What, what, what movie was it, though? Jeffrey Unsworth for uh, also a tie between Cabaret and Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Okay, Cabaret. I, I can see how that could win. Uh, yeah. Cinematography. That, yeah. yeah, Cabaret winning feels... like That, that makes sense. Um, I did a... I, I did see, like you said, it was weird because it was uh, it showed ni- a 1972 that it was nominated for the BAFTA, and that that, that that's just due to like British release years, right? Or, like, yeah, yeah. BAFTA like, does that um, all the time with release years. They they yeah. take it all a year later. Um, also worth noting though that in this year that we we're actually talking about, Julie Christie did get a BAFTA nomination for the Go Between, 
which uh, is another movie I will be eventually covering on the show for the nomination for Margaret Layton in supporting. Yeah, a lot of Julie Christie movies on this show. Yeah, a lot of Julie Christie. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen that one yet. But I will have an opinion of it whenever I do that episode. So we'll we'll I've see. Not even heard of that movie, if I'm being honest. But yeah, it is. It is not one that is necessarily. Uh, stood the test of time as a movie we talk about yeah. again I, I haven't seen it so i can't talk about how much it's held up as a film but it doesn't exist very much outside of oscar mm. completionism uh this gets nominated at the national society of film critics for cinematography or at least it's a it places in their voting the winner that year is the conformist which makes sense that movie is also gorgeous yeah that that, that one also makes sense yeah, yeah. the uh, runner-up the runner-up is, I didn't write down the cinematographer on this one either, but he did The Last Picture Show and Summer of 42 this year. Uh, uh, okay, Robert, I... Robert Search. I, I know we'll get into those when we talk about the year. I just want to say that those are both two of my favorite movies. I have not seen Summer of 42, but Last Picture Show, yeah, that movie's fantastic. Um, and That's then, actually my favorite movie ever. Oh, right on, Yeah. And yeah, and then yeah. there are number three. It's a tie between this movie and Sunday Bloody Sunday, which is another great movie from this year. This is a year that like people don't talk about how great this year is and like how deep the well is on this is borderline masterpiece. My favorite year. Understandably so. This, this there's a lot of great stuff going on here. And then uh, yeah, there's um. Oh well, just one more sorry, thing as far as precursors. There's one more on the awards tab there. Okay. Uh, it got a Writers Guild nomination for Best Adapted Drama. The winner is The French okay. Connection. Other nominees are Clockwork Orange, Last Picture Show, and Johnny Got His Gun, which is written by Dalton Trumbo. Dalton so, Trumbo, yeah. It's a good yeah. book. Yeah, no, th- 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 those are all... Honestly, I-, I don't know if anyone could be mad about any of those winning over the other. Those are, like, all pretty, like... I mean, Johnny Got His Gun isn't as, like, cemented in movie history as those other ones are, but, like... You know, like, I feel like those are all, like, they're, yeah. they're, they're all, like, maybe not equally as good, but, like, they're all, there's a case for all They're classics. Those. They are among as, the, yeah. Yeah. Among like, the movies of this year that have held up the best. Yeah. In terms of Usually popular. in, like, categories like that, there are definitely, like, outliers and, like, far and away winners. But, like, in all the ones you just named, like, I mean, I have my personal choices, but, like, it, I don't, you can't be mad at if any of those won, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. Uh. But yeah, that's as far as the uh, precursor nominations this movie got. Again, critics didn't really like it, and audiences didn't really like it. It didn't do that well box office-wise, so like, it makes sense that this wouldn't have as much of a showing, but like, that the cinematography is what gets the most attention otherwise. That, like, yeah. Cause, I mean, like, rightfully so. Like, oh, definitely. It's, like we said, it's beautiful looking, but it, that, 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 I don't think that should be the, the, the center focus. I think that this, this deserves love in pretty much every aspect of it. Oh, life. definitely. And we can talk about some of these uh, lineups yeah. that did end up showing up at the Oscars. But before we do that, do we want to talk about this best actress race that Julie Christie is competing in? Sure, sure. Let's, uh, let's see how many of these I've seen. So I've seen all of them except Mary Queen of Scots, which Vanessa Redgrave was nominated for. Okay. It's been a long time since I've seen Nicholas and Alexandra. I watched it in like a history class in middle school. And all oh. I remember is that movie is very long and very boring, except for Tom Baker as Rasputin. Uh, but otherwise... Tom I re- Baker as Rasputin. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, yeah. That is... That is like, like Doctor Who Tom Baker. Yes. Yeah, that one. Oh my God. I, yeah. 
he came very close to an Oscar nomination for it. It would have been wild. But, like, I remember him being very entertaining in that movie and very convincing in the role. Like, that's a role that is tough to pull off and have it not be goofy or, like, overstayed. But, like, I remember he has the right energy for that. And I liked him in that. But I don't remember anything else. It's otherwise kind of just a boring three-hour slog. It's three hours. I was gonna say I, was, I would check it out just for that, just just to see Tom Baker as Rasputin. But like, yeah, I don't know. Three hours is a time I could be watching a much better three-hour movie. Yeah, there's probably like a, a compilation of his scenes out there somewhere. You don't have to watch the whole thing. But I don't remember anything that Janet Susman is doing in that, so I can't really speak mm-hmm. to her performance. But like, for as much as Julie Christie is very good in this movie, she's still probably my third in this lineup because okay. The other so two what, what's, what's number two? And number one. Uh, I mean, it's hard. I go back and forth on these two. I think number two, I would still say uh, Glenda Jackson for Sunday Bloody Sunday, which okay, I've not seen that movie. My uh... oh, you would love it. You would love that. You, movie. you think I'd love it? Yeah. Okay. Knowing what I knowing what I know about the other movies in even in this year that you like, you would really <laughs> like Sunday Bloody. Okay. Sunday. I I will have to check it out. I think I think my dad was a big fan of that one. So yeah, it's it really good, and she's really good in it, and so is uh, Peter Finch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I mean, of the five that got nominated. Jane Fonda winning for Clute is a very that is it's such a okay that movie win. that is that is one of my favorite movies of all time another one of my favorite movies of all time yeah that is just again I'm just another testament to how amazing this year is and how many like masterpieces and near masterpieces we got like you said yeah Clute is definitely up there and honestly I think I might prefer, I think I like her performance in Clute more than uh. Julie Christie's and McCabe and Mrs. Miller, even yeah. though I prefer McCabe and Mrs. Miller as a movie. Yeah. I, um, I, can't, I can't be mad at that one. And all that to say is that my personal winner of the year isn't even nominated, and it's Ruth Gordon for Harold and Maude, because, like, that's, how did I not? I mean, that, that's, a great, that's a great performance. That is, that is a, that, that's a great movie and a great performance. And I yeah. don't know, I, I, um, there's, so ma- there's so many, like, we're spoiled for choice, even just among the best pictures of the year. Yeah. Not to mention everything else that's going on in every other category, which mm-hmm. I mean, again, kind of speaks to why this movie doesn't necessarily get other nominations, just because mm-hmm. there's so many good movies to pick from. I would, I would still, I would, if if I were to make like a, like a, at this point in time, it was you can only there was only five nominations for best picture, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I I would probably honestly I would put this one in with that uh, with that nomination pool if I were to make the. Oh, definitely. It's nominations, but um, it's like right around my top five. I would have to take mm-hmm. a, a deeper dive, but like I have four that are pretty much locked in on my. Okay, so so it's Harold and Maude, Last Picture okay. Show, Clute, and Clockwork Orange. Like that's already okay. four that I'm, and then it's like, do I go with this movie? Do I go with Sud- Sunday Bloody Sunday? Do I go mm-hmm. with uh, The Devils or Willy Wonka or Ooh, there's there's so much going on in this year. My um, uh. Do you mind if I share my my top five? Oh, or? go right ahead. So, okay, my my mine's a little bit of a it's it's got it's got some interesting choices in it, or at least one one very interesting choice Let's that you hear it. probably would not normally see on like a 1971 list. This is definitely not me stalling to pick put a pull up my letterbox on my phone. Um, also, I, I just want to say I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Carnal Knowledge, which I That's... covered on the show and is another well, fantastic movie from this year and would be a strong contender for a top five. It's a, it's a great movie. 
It is a great movie. So if I were uh, if I were to make my uh, my five for the Oscars in a, in this in descending order, I would I would definitely have Clute. Clute is just that that is that's a lock. I think. Uh, yeah. This is a bit of interesting. Two Two Lane Blacktop, the Monty Ooh, Hellman oh, movie. Oh, that's also really good. That's a really good pick. I too. I I love that movie. I think I think um I don't know. I just I really love this year. I I have uh what's it called? I've got fourteen movies in my like top whatever favorites from this year. Understandably but, um, so. And then, this is probably the the strangest choice out of them all. It's uh, Dennis Hopper's The Last Movie. I haven't I seen know. that one, but I've heard really good things about it. So. I it's it's great. I think we definitely have underappreciated Dennis Hopper as a person. Oh, for sure. But, for um, sure. And then McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and then my number one is Last Picture Show because that is my favorite movie of all time. I mean, I can't fault you for that. It is a yeah. great movie. It is. It is. It is a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's an interesting best picture field that we end up actually getting french connection mm-hmm. wins and like i don't love that I, movie but i get why it wins uh that was, Orange that was, is, oh no french connection was actually my favorite movie at one point in time like uh however many like four years ago i think but uh it's totally fair it's, yeah. it is a strong it's, it's a good movie it's, it's, it's a good strong movie. Yeah. yeah clockwork orange i'm still kind of surprised it was able to pull it off for a best picture nomination given all the controversy but like good on them for actually voting for it this this might be a bit of a hot take, but um, I appreciate Clockwork Orange as a movie less and less as time goes on. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, that's fair. Um, it's it's nothing wrong with the filmmaking of it. I just kind of feel very gross when thinking about it a lot of times. Yeah, that is, and, is entirely fair. And you know, I I don't think I again I actually I really I, I read the book uh, and I think it's a really really good book. Uh, very a, hard to read a, book because of you know the whole book. language that they have. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It just it it can make me feel very gross sometimes. Oh, that's totally understandable. That is, uh, you are you are not alone in that. Film, yeah. For sure. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, which is also a great movie, and like I mean I didn't mention it in all those, but that's another one that is fantastic from this year last picture show obviously we've talked about and then that would be my choice yeah and then nicholas and alexandra i mean this is in the era where they still liked their big showy epics so Mm -hmm. why not Um, and they they still go with period pieces like almost every year they nominate at least one so yeah and like uh speaking of that movie it wins for uh, uh costume design and art direction and is nominated in cinematography, and I would take out all three of those. Okay, so I would overhaul most of the nominees in all three of those categories, uh, and mm-hmm. pretty much across the board, uh, replace them all with McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Clark as you should, and Willie. I've not seen like, this Nicholas and Alexander movie, but from what you've described, I don't like epics very much, and I don't love period pieces very much either. Yeah, and it's so like, like it's, it's kind of doing a lot of the same period piece oh we're going to have these grand halls and beautiful dresses and like yeah we've seen it a million times mm-hmm. but like yeah the design elements of mccabe and mrs miller are gorgeous and yes. the design elements of a clockwork orange are very particular and so very his, weird his costume and iconic. is like it's, it, yeah, it's genuinely iconic yeah it's 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 amazing like even the little plastic cup that he wears like yeah. it's and the other, like, uh, the design elements of Willy Wonka are... That is one of the most iconic film outfits of all time. Yeah. And I have never heard sets. of Nicholas and Alexandra yeah. until you mentioned it today. Yeah, and, like, the sets in that movie, the, the chocolate yeah. room, all of that. Like, 
I would replace in costume design, uh, art direction, and cinematography. I'd put all three of those movies in over most of these other nominees. And like Clute also would have been a good art direction cinematography novel. yeah i could totally see stuff like the the whole sequence in the basement and stuff include like that yeah. that is incredibly well shot yeah the costume design nominees they end up giving it's uh nicholas and alexandra wins bed knobs and broomsticks the uh, uh disney movie with angela lansbury the i don't know how to feel about that uh, yeah that uh, nomination death I don't... in venice which is a uh latino Vizcali i want to see movie. that movie yeah i I've heard good really want to see that movie and then Mary Queen of Scots, which is another period piece, blah blah blah. And uh, period the, pieces are yeah, they'll always get those like yeah. art direction, costume, production design. Yeah. And then what's like, the matter with Helen, which is a Shelley Winters horror movie with I believe, uh, like human-sized doll costumes. I couldn't quite tell. I haven't seen it, and just looking at Google images for it, uh, the costumes in that look like understandable why that would be the kind of thing that gets oscar okay. but like it's weird it's weird that they went for that kind of movie in costume design mm-hmm. when they had well, some of these other options honestly when you think about it mccabe and mrs miller is also a period piece it is it's so it's, like it it feels like it should be something in terms of like those like aesthetic categories that the academy would eat eat up you know yeah yeah or like art direction again. Nicholas and Alexandra wins the Andromeda Strain, which is a cool sci-fi nomination. Like that actually is kind of an interesting pick. That's not just a, a period piece. And then Bedknobs mm. and Broomsticks again shows up there. Okay, that's, uh, it's fucking weird. Yeah, Fiddler on the Roof, which is again another understandable period yeah, I can nomination, that. and like in a cool way. And then Mary mm. Queen of Scots again, another period piece, yeah. another getting art direction nomination. Honestly, I I I wonder sometimes if the reason Mc, McCabe didn't get all of these other nominations is because of the the the, the message it conveys. That's like very like anti-America and anti-like yeah. American establishments and stuff like that. And so like, but Last Picture Show got the all these nominations, which is also anti-American. I I don't I don't know. I, don't... I think it, it just got the short end of the of the stick or whatever, however that saying goes. Like it just, it. I mean, kind of like I talked about in my Carnal Knowledge episode. Like that movie just happens to be the one of many movies this year about sex and sexuality and the yeah. way that, that interacts with culture. It just happens to be uh, the one that fell by the wayside when. Clockwork Orange and Last Picture Show and Sunday Bloody Sunday and The Hospital and all these other movies are doing better. And Clue. Clue yeah, and Clue, that. too. Yeah. And uh, there's, like, so much going on this year that's about sexuality that well, Carl I Knowledge mean, was, and this movie. And uh, uh, it, it makes sense, like, historically in America. I mean, two years ago was, you know, Summer of Love and, you know, the whole hippie free love era and all that stuff, you know? that very much bolstered the new Hollywood movement. So Yeah, exactly. And this one just falls by the wayside when there's a lot of other movies dealing with a Sadly. lot of similar things. It just happens to be the one. Um, and then also I do want to talk about cinematography this year because like we yeah. said, this movie yeah. is gorgeous. And I do know um, there's someone on Twitter who went back and was able to find the like, there was a certain period in time where they did, or, or like the Academy released mm-hmm. the uh, shortlists of the other like the next five movies that mm-hmm. got nomination votes in below the line categories so mm-hmm. like at least i saw that this made the next five for cinematography like this was 
fairly close to a nomination. The nominees that they ended up get, getting, Fiddler on the Roof wins. That's also that's a good win. I, I can't fault that win. That movie does okay. look very good. French Connection gets a nomination. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. I mean the 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 the, the train sequence is yeah. very well shot. That and it's iconic. You know, iconic yes. cinema. So yeah. that one makes sense. Last Picture Show makes sense. Obviously. Yes, that that. But again, I'm, I, I know I just keep like picking out certain shots. I actually have a shirt with this shot on, but Sonny standing in front of like the big sign and the in, in the big open lot, like oh, just just beautiful black and white cinematography. So, other nominees: Nicholas and Alexandra. Mm-hmm. Again, whatever. And then Summer of '42, which I haven't seen, but you said you have. It's it's a very good movie. It's I just watched it recently, actually. Um, like it wasn't in preparation for this, you know, the whole 1971 thing, but like, it was like, it, it's very well shot. It is, it's very, very well shot. And honestly, I, I, it's another movie about sexuality uh, that came out this year. So I would recommend checking it out. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely will. I've heard very good things about it and I, I, it's on my list. I'll say that much. And then, awesome. so I just pulled up that list that I mentioned of the five mm-hmm. other finalists in the cinematography uh, category this year. It's something called the African Elephant, which I've never heard of. The uh, Andromeda Strain, which I just mentioned, got uh, the other nominations here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Conformist, which again, beautiful movie, kind of baffled that that didn't get a nomination. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots, again, period piece, whatever, and McCabe and Mrs. Miller uh, were the. So that was the last one on the short list? Well, I mean, it's just alphabetical. It, oh, it, okay. It's not ranked okay. from that. But uh, yeah, so this movie, at the very least, I know, came moderately close to a cinematography okay. nomination. It's just, again, a crowded oh, year. That's what? How many of the best uh, picture nominees are in that? That's uh, Last Three? Picture Show, Nicholas and Alexandra. Yeah, French Connection and Fiddler on the Roof. So it's almost exactly the best picture lineup, except it has Summer of 42 instead of Clockwork Orange, which, like, if there's going to be one of these five best picture nominees to take out, if one of them is going to miss a cinematography nomination, Mm -hmm. why is it a Clockwork Orange, which is arguably the best looking of those five? Well... I, I can argue. I mean, I can argue against that, but yeah. I mean, I also get why Clockwork Orange doesn't get as many nominations mm-hmm. as, uh, like, in the tech categories because it's did a it very. A, did it get a production movie. design nomination? It did not. Its only nominations yeah. were, uh, picture director, adapted screenplay, and editing. Well, those are quite a bit of nominations, but but still, like, you yeah. just didn't get a, a production design nomination. Yeah. Production design, uh, costume design, sound, uh. Best actor for Malcolm McDowell. Like that movie also could have walked away with many more nominations than it got. But uh, yeah. So the Oscars hate controversy, I guess. I mean, tend to attract it. Yeah, it's a it's a back and forth. It is a it's a very interesting relationship with yeah what movies do well and what don't. Uh, and that's the case here, where uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, a movie that is nowadays beloved gets one yeah. nomination and i'm gonna take it back it's an it's an episode on 1971 you know i have to talk about it this is the year that they give four nominations to Koch. to what Koch, the uh uh walter Matthau movie where he plays an what? old yeah Koch. what is that? directed by jack I... lemon what i've never heard of this movie i didn't it doesn't exist basically uh and so yeah, this has been our 
this has been our segment okay. on Koch Watch for the week. Uh, Koch, a movie people have not heard of, and it got four nominations. Who boy. Uh, anything else to say about this year's Oscars now that we have done? Um, I don't know. Just like, just like recap, like, like I said, absolutely stacked here, like in yeah. and out of the Oscars. Like, like absolutely. I, they're just, there's, there, there are definitely, and, and again, this was before the Oscars had its 10 nomination spots. It, it only had five. So it, it wasn't able to not, do you have the, the best picture shortlist? Like, did they release? Uh, no, I think it was just for below the line categories. So okay. They, they well, didn't I, I would be curious to see that, like the, what, what the, the shortlist for that would be. I want. I, I don't think McCabe and Mrs. Miller sadly would be included on, on there. Yeah, probably but, not because it was a divisive. People. It's lack of nominations in other yeah. categories. But, but like, you look at some of the other movies that got multiple nominations. You have well, Su- Sunday Bloody Sunday gets a mm-hmm. picture nomination to, uh, or a, a, a director nomination to acting. I'd imagine mm-hmm. that would be up there. Uh, maybe something like Clute or yeah. Uh, uh, Summer of 42, which uh, both get screenplay nominations, among others. Mm-hmm. Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah, like I said, Clute had Jane Fonda. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, five nominations for Bedknobs and Broomsticks, but I don't think that's going to actually get a nomination there. I don't, I think that's, that, that is utterly ridiculous, that yeah. Bedknobs, like, it, it's a it's a fun kids movie, you know? But, yeah. like, come I'd on. say maybe something like The Hospital. Maybe the hospital shows up at, yeah. uh, in the nomination because that's right a screenplay winner for Patty Chayefsky. Yeah, I could see those being the next five: uh, Sunday, yeah. Mary Queen of Scots, uh, Clute, Summer Forty Two, and the Hospital. That would make sense. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and then maybe McCabe is like in the next five or ten after that. If yeah. There's a, a passionate set of um, people that like it. What? Man, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think about what. What else? Uh... Uh, came out that year. Um, I don't know. I uh, you think Carnal Knowledge could have ever been in the running for that? Just because you know. I mean, maybe it was, it was postgraduate Nichols and post Catch Twenty Two. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and we talked about when I did that episode. It got some heavy precursor stuff. Like it, uh, Nicholson was nominated for the Globe, mm-hmm. and Margaret wins the Globe. It gets mm-hmm. a WGA nomination. It gets a bunch of other things like that. Like that movie was certainly in the conversation. I could see that being a picture and acting only nomination yeah. uh, on the on the heels of Mike Nichols uh, success I could absolutely see that yeah I actually maybe no you've convinced me I think I would put that in over uh, summer of 42 I feel like I, I think I would also just because I don't be know I prefer summer of 42 but I definitely I don't know just like based on like no like name recognition and uh, of yeah. the, not just the director but actors involved you know Art Garfunkel yeah. was at it you know one of the most famous musicians of all time you know? oh yeah definitely uh, yeah I, I could see that absolutely making that 10th slot cut if this was the year of 10 yeah i like that um yeah anything else on this or do we want to move on to the final I, I i don't think so i uh, yeah yeah i'm not like like i said i'm not i mean like I'm, i don't I, I feel like everyone has a thing like where you know they're like oh man i fucking hate the oscars and they watch it every year and they make prediction lists and so like that. I, th- I think that's, that's where me. i am like i don't that's me yeah, yeah. I, I don't pay attention to it i hate it but i watch it every year yeah and you can I'm like like i've said I before pissed off at the wins every time you know like i've said many times before you kind of have to hate the oscars to love the oscars like yeah that's uh Absolutely. how you have a healthy uh, relationship with these uh people that frequently make bad calls uh, yeah so speaking of those bad calls let's move on to some good calls so in your mm-hmm. 
uh, in your fantasy world where you get to pick all of the nominations, which, uh, which categories would you have nominated this movie for? Oh, shit. Okay. Um, best picture. Yeah. Best director. Adapted screenplay. Actor. Actress. Yeah. Production design. Costume design. Cinematography. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, the other, like... I mean, um, you could pretty much... Sound, probably, sound editing. The sound design in that final sequence. Like, the the sound of footsteps in snow Mm -hmm. and on wood and all that. The lack of sound is some of the best sound design. Like, yeah. And also the the overlayering of the the dialogue. Like, that is textbook no it's great interesting sound design unique sound design i think of the other the other i mean editing like yeah no yeah actually absolutely like you said last sequence the cuts between you know her in the opium den and then the church burning you know that whole thing yes editing absolutely and maybe maybe not like it was because it was like exactly like hard editing like something like jfk or something like that just because of the effect that the editing had on the scene i think exactly exactly yeah i agree with pretty much all of those picture director uh this is a strong year in all of the acting categories so i don't know if warren Beatty would make my top five but he's certainly on a long list julie christie would make a strong case in either lead or supporting i could see her making either of those adapted screenplay editing cinematography production design costume design sound all of these categories yeah this could show up pretty much anywhere and i would not be uh, i would not be upset I could, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess supporting actor for, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, I, I don't know how much of a case there is there for that. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's a the supporting, yeah. The supporting cast is kind of like we said, they are there to fill out the, uh, the, the world, the town more so than to be individualized characters. But like, I will say they all do that. Well, speaking of supporting cast, I always forget Shelley Duvall is in this movie. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, she, she's she's like a minor role in almost every Altman movie. It's crazy. Yeah, but like except I Three Women, just... which she's like the lead of, and yeah, she's great yeah. in Three Women. And uh, I don't know Popeye if you want to go there. Oh yeah, so. that too. She is also a, a big role in Popeye. No, but yeah, it's just like uh, oh, she's got a big one in Brewster McCloud also. But like okay. I don't know, definitely one of the most underappreciated actresses of all time. Oh, most certainly, she should have multiple nominations under her belt mm-hmm. and. Crazy yeah, that she never got multiple, multiple wins, probably. Oh yeah, yeah. She got, she got a Razzie nomination for The Shining. Like, what the fuck is that about? Oh boy, like, she sure did. At least they rescinded that one like yeah. this year, but like that's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that'll uh, put a close on this conversation. Thank you for coming on. I had a wonderful Definitely, time talking yeah. about this fantastic. Yeah, movie. I had a great time talking with you too. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you and your uh, presence online? Oh gosh. Um, all right. Well, let me think about this one. Uh, you can follow me on uh, on Instagram uh, at uh, Hendrix Films. Uh, or no, I don't. I don't post all too much, but you, sh- you should still give me a follow. But um, and then I, I'm very active on my Letterboxd. Uh, you can just look up my name, uh, Ansel Hendrix. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not active on Twitter, or YouTube at all. So yeah, those do. Right on. And you can find this show on Twitter and Letterboxd at Lone Acting Noms and on Instagram at The Lone Acting Nominees. That'll be it for this episode. Thank you for listening.